0: What I'm going to talk about today is faith, faithful, and faithfulness. I'm going to ask you some questions. What happens when you meet somebody new and they find out that you're a Christian? And they say they ask you questions like this. They say, "I have a question. Why is life so hard? Does God really exist?" Did God make me sick? Am I being punished? Is this hell on earth? Is heaven real? Who is this Jesus that you keep talking about? Do you believe in ghosts? How about aliens? Do you believe in aliens? Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Does God even care about me? Who can I trust? Why are church people so horrible? I'm a good person, isn't that enough? Is this all there is? Do you have an answer for them? More and more often, we will encounter people with these same kinds of questions as the end of the age draws closer. So we'll need to be ready with the truth. Armed with the love of God for them, mercy in their struggles, strength for their battles, and direction for them to find the answers that they're looking for. Are you prepared? Are you part of the faithful servants who give out the truth to the seekers? Are you armed with messages of hope and examples of how God has been good to you? Can you point to events in your own life when miracles have occurred? Healings and direction and comfort? Yeah, we can all quote scripture and that's great. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? But did you know that in some people's minds there's a difference between hearing the word of God and hearing the word of Jesus? In most people's minds, Those who've not experienced the love and mercy of salvation, the word of God represents punishment, judgment, law, plagues, guilt, and condemnation. And the word of God does have all of those elements. But even in the midst of all that heavy, heavy, hangs over thy head gloom and doom stuff, there are threads of mercy, love and care, concern for the human condition, Jesus is everywhere if you're faithful enough to study it out and see it for yourself. In the Garden of Eden, most people see the curses that were pronounced against the sin that crept in. And they do call them curses. But they weren't really curses as we understand the term today. But they're explanations. God was giving an explanation of why sin brought that stuff That drawing away from God is what caused all of those things to happen. But even in the middle of that explanation, God gave the hope of Jesus when he said, the woman's seed will crush the head of the serpent. And for the next three to four thousand years, that same hope was given in almost every instance where God moved among his people. The promise of salvation, the promise of restoration, the promise of renewal even in the midst of a purging or a plague or captivity do you know how to find those promises in scripture do you know how to interpret jesus in those promises can you show today's seekers how to find them how to believe on them and how to interpret them for today's life we see this in paul's letter to timothy in first timothy chapter 4 and this is from the message bible He says to Timothy, get that word out. Teach all these things. And don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Neither because you're young in age nor because you're young in the spirit. Don't let anybody put you down because of it. Teach believers with your life. By word, by demeanor, by your love, by faith, by integrity. Stay at your post, reading scripture, giving counsel and teaching. And that special gift of ministry that you were given... When the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed for you, keep that dusted off and in use. Cultivate these things and immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. Now Paul's not only talking to Timothy, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us too in this passage. So how do you begin? It's like any course of study. You read. You can't get educated by osmosis. You can't put your Bible under your pillow at night and expect to absorb all of its truths while you sleep. Just like you can't put a book of physics under your pillow at night and expect to build a space rocket the next day. Doesn't work that way. Yeah, God can do it, but even Paul took a lifetime of study to get it right. And then (laughs) he had to unlearn most of what he thought he knew about God's word and relearn about God through Jesus' teachings. He had to apply the same study and thought to the old covenant in light of the new covenant that Jesus himself revealed to him. Remember, Paul spent three years in the desert while the Holy Spirit corrected his thinking about what God really taught and about what the word really meant. So where are you in this course of study? Are you a beginner? Starting with Salvation 101? <laughs> Great. Gospels come first. They teach about us as uh, they teach us about Jesus' ministry and his assignment. Learn about who he was, what he did, and what he taught. How he spoke, how he completed the Old Testament promises, and what he has in store for those who believe in him. Next comes Acts, and they shows, that shows how the Holy Spirit worked with the apostles and the early church in action and the travels of Paul once he spent his time learning of Jesus. Then come the epistles, the letters from the apostles to the various church groups, and the teachings that the Holy Spirit brought to those communities. Then as you grow in your understanding of your position in the new covenant, then you go back and you start at the beginning. Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's the first five books that the Jews call the Torah. And see how God shows Jesus through all of them, the promise of a savior. He's always been there from the very beginning. Let us make man in our image. Jesus was already there. Before mankind was ever even thought about. No that's because God thought about us. <laughs> so Jesus was always there. And he's been through there through everything. So when you go back in the Old Testament. You start reading. You start asking. Okay where's Jesus in this? Who's speaking in this passage? Who's being, bo- who's being spoken to? Where is Jesus in this? Where is the Holy Spirit? How does this apply to me? Does it apply to me? Where is the grace in this? Do I have to change something? My way of thinking or behaving? Is there a promise of God for me specifically in this? Is this to the whole world? Is this to the church? How can this benefit somebody else if they ask me about it? And then when you get to the tricky books, or the passages, the ones with all the weird-sounding names (laughs) that you nobody can pronounce, and you go, what? Who was that again? Go look them up. Go look them up in your concordance and find out what they mean. Most names in Scripture have a prophetic meaning. See what those names foretell. Do they talk about salvation? Do those names mean grace? Do those names mean healing, restoration, or resurrection? Excuse me. When you begin to understand the power, the grace, the love that God has for you, about you, the plans for others that start with you, the awesomeness of the glory of God, it will start a chain reaction. You won't be able to stop telling others. And this is what being a child of God is all about. Telling others of his faithfulness. Sharing the miraculous way he has dealt with you. Inviting them to experience Psalm 34, verse 8, where it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. When they hear of his faithfulness to you, an ordinary, everyday person, they may begin to think that he could be faithful to them as well. But you have to see and recognize what that faithfulness of God looks like in your own life. Oh, I haven't had any miracles, so what do I have to share? Or, well, that's the preacher's job, isn't it? Or, I don't want to seem pushy. (laughs) Let me ask you this. If you saw someone about to be run over by a 20-ton lorry, would you push them out of the way? Of course you would. So get pushy with the word of God. At least the parts that you've experienced for yourselves. Have you ever prayed for a parking space and ta-da, there's one right there. One I can actually get into. And one I can get out of even. Praise God. That's worth sharing. Have you ever prayed for patience in an unusual situation and you calmed down immediately? That's worth sharing. Have you ever prayed over a promotion and work and got it? That's worth sharing. My favorite example of this is from my own life. When I was applying for a permanent position at the council after working the job as a temporary, I had to take the standard proficiency tests and, and, uh, write in and ta- including how to write an email, how to set up a mini spreadsheet, and how to do a mail merge. You know, the make a mailing list so that it will attach to addresses. And, and I thought, oh, Lord... I may as well care right now. I got no idea of how to do a mail merge. Lord, help. (laughs) I felt like that I was supposed to go ahead and do the things that I knew how to do, the email and the short mini spreadsheets, so I did. Then I cried out to the Lord again, help. And he spoke to my spirit and said, yes, help. Uh, I hit the help button on the keyboard typed in how to do a mail merge and copied and pasted the instructions into the test document. And I laughed and I laughed. And then when it came time to turn in the test pages, I explained my laughter to the, to the uh, panel. And they laughed with me. And then I had to wait a couple of hours while they considered my application. And then, as, then the, I was called into the office with the manager of the department. And he told me that I had the job. But, he said, the thing that clinched it for me was that you didn't let what you didn't know stop you. You found a way to do it. Yes, the Lord answered that prayer and he helped me. And that's worth sharing. Amen? You see, you don't have to have millions of pounds dropped into our bank accounts. Though Lord, that would be really nice. <laughs> or, or huge mansions given to us or the ability to persuade kings or princes or governments to do this or that astounding thing, even though those miraculous things would be really good. It's the everyday life situations that people need to hear God's hand in. A parking space, the relief of a dizzy spell, the ability to pass a test, anything that you have touched the heart of God with and he heard and acted on your behalf. Those are the things that mean the most to people on the ground. Yes, miracles and astounding movements of God are influential, but do not underestimate the power of a simple testimony. So when people say, well, let me ask you a question, be prepared with an example of your own. And if you don't feel like you have an example... You do, really. Did you wake up this morning? You're not all still in bed, are you? You're still, you woke up, right? Praise God. Are you breathing? <sighs> yep. Hallelujah. Can you, did you hear the worship music this morning? Powerful, wasn't it? Can you see the sky? Did you feel a good emotion when somebody hugged you this morning or smiled at you? Did you take comfort from somebody's prayers in the last week? Those are all miracles. How the human body works. The way worship can evoke a sense of peace. The knowledge that people love you enough to petition heaven on your behalf. Those are all miracles. Those are all testimonies that everybody has. Then the knowledge that all of these things are straight from the heart of God. That's the greatest miracle of all. The love of God. The mercy of God. The grace of God all focused on you, on me, on strangers that cross our paths. How faithful is he? He actively works on our behalf, making a way where there doesn't seem to be any way. Even when we mess up, he is still at work to do his goodwill towards us. He is faithful even when we're not. Especially when we mess up. Remember this verse in 1 John. If we confess our sins. He is faithful. And just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even when we mess up. He is still faithful to us. That's the story Jesus told of the prodigal son. The father was always faithful to that boy. Just waiting for him to come home. Just like Father God is always faithful to us. Just waiting for us to come home. Back to relationship with him. Or even the prodigal son who stayed home. Waiting for us to acknowledge the Father's faithfulness to us even when we don't recognize it. In Romans we read this. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Does our sinfulness diminish the glory of God? No, of course it doesn't. The glory of God is not dependent on us or anything we do or don't do. The glory of God is only dependent on the glory of God. His magnificence, His omnipotence, His mercy, His grace, His everlasting love towards us. So let us be faithful. And that's not just doing what's expected, but being full of faith. Faith that what God has promised, he will do. And we see this in Romans chapter 3 where it says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? No, of course not. God has faith that his word will accomplish everything that it was sent to do. That's God's faith. In Isaiah 55, it says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please. And it will prosper in the thing that I sent it to do. That's the faith of God in action. So when we're full of faith enough to send the word of God out into the universe by telling others of the hope that we have, he will make that word prosper. So are you being faithful? Are you being full of faith? Are you quick to share God's love? And are you expecting the accomplishment of that word in others' lives? Or do you just throw it out there and think, oh, well, whatever. No, you have faith that God said, what my word goes out to do, it will accomplish. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, we see this. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now think about that a second. Perhaps somebody in your family tree thousands of years ago believed the promises of God and you're being blessed because of that person's faithfulness. It could also mean that someone just a hundred years or even sixty or just five years ago shared the gospel with somebody and it passed through a thousand people before it got to you. That is the faithfulness of God. And this out of Romans chapter this is from the message Bible after chapter three. First there's the matter of being put in charge of writing down and caring for God's revelation, these holy scriptures. So what if, in the course of doing that, some of those Jews abandoned their post? God didn't abandon them. Do you think their faithlessness cancels out his faithfulness? Not on your life. Depend on it. God keeps his word even when the whole world is lying through its teeth. Faithful, doing what is expected, and full of faith. Believing that God will keep his part and be true to his word. So where are you in this? Are you being faithful to share his faithfulness towards you? Are you being faithful to his blessings on your life? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this is from the Living Bible, it says, What a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort that God has given us. So when people start asking us questions, why is life so hard? Does God really exist? Who was this Jesus that you talk about? Is this all there is? Then you'll be ready to give them the hope that you have, the hope that what he has done for you, he will do for them. You will be able to demonstrate his faithfulness to those who follow him, just as he has shown faithfulness towards you. So now, today, while it is now, I want us to examine our faithfulness, our ability to not waver from the blessings and knowledge of what God has done for us. Examine and see if we have strayed even on some minor point and allowed doubt or fear to creep in and to taint the promise that we have from God. Does God still taste like goodness to you? Can we be like the prophet Jeremiah where he says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions, his mercies fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, he says. My soul then theref- says, therefore, I will hope in him. Remember, too, that faith is one of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what kind of faith do you think the Holy Spirit would give you? A part-time faith that only works sometimes? Or would it be a part of himself? A full-time faith that can move mountains. And what kind of faith fruit would the Holy Spirit cultivate in you? And if faith is a gift and fruit of the Holy Spirit, do you not also think that faithfulness, that same kind of faithfulness that God has, being true to his word, that that same kind of faithfulness is also produced within us by the same Holy Spirit? So let's examine our faith and faithfulness this morning. Are we relying only on our human faith and faithfulness? Or are we relying on the gift and fruit that are part and parcel of the Holy Spirit himself? Let us then repent, think differently about the faithfulness of God and our own faithfulness. His faithfulness is always running at 100%. His spirit dwells within us and so can our faithfulness. Let's ask the Lord this morning to replenish our reserves to fill up our tanks so that we're like the scripture in Luke sixty six thirty eight. excuse me. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Any gift that we receive from Father God can be blessed by this tenant of faith. Give of your faith in God. Give of your knowledge of his faithfulness. Give of your understanding of his mercy. Give of the comfort that he has comforted you with. Give of the love that he has deposited in us and lavished on us. Give of your financial blessings. Give of your prayers and petitions. And when you are faithful to do these things and full of faith in his promises, the same will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. That's the faithfulness of God. Do you believe this? All right, then let's stand up on your feet and we're going to pray. Father, hallelujah. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for the faith that you have in your word. Thank you for the faith that you have deposited in us to believe that word. And Father, thank you that you give us the faith to proclaim your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your faithfulness to be faithful to those that we love, that we care about, to the mission that you've given us, the challenge that you've given us, the the words that you've given us. Lord, help us to be more faithful, to be faithful like you are. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.